Dr. Marconi. Are you Rob? I am not Rob Fusari. We're listening to Rob Fusari. But this is Music Biz 101 and more. Brave New Radio 88.7. Nope, that's not what we say. We say Brave New Radio WP88.7. I can't see the sign. We say WP88.7 or we say Brave New Radio. Yep. That is correct. That's it. So (coughs) the very big night tonight. It's a very big night. Be- very big night. Before we get into the largeness of the night. Why is it so large? Well, first because of the New York Mets. That's correct. Because of the New York Mets. Yes. I think we sh- I was going to dedicate the show to all of my friends on the New York Mets. Good. But since I don't know any Mets personally, may I dedicate the show to somebody who very near and dear to me? Of course. Her name is Tammy, and she was my dog. Oh. And we had sadness and... The Professor David Kirkfield poem today when we had to put Tammy to sleep. Oh, that's too bad. It was very sad. And I would like to thank all of my students and all of our friends and all of uh, our neighbors. Everybody's. We got brownies at our house. We got flowers. flowers. We got texts wow. and, and emails from, from students. And once Marla Cassenti, when very her music nice. graduate, came up to me and said uh, she was crying today. So. Oh, how old was she? Was almost fifteen. So I was oh. doing the math. If she was human, she would have been an over over a one hundred year old lady. Wow. Yeah. So um, did she have all her marbles? She did until yesterday. Ah. And then she was kind of getting a little kooky, but um, she still knew <laughs> who we were and what was going on. But then it went downhill very quickly. It mm-hmm. started three months ago, but then over the last twenty four hours bad all right so i'm dedicating this show to tammy the dog spelled with an i mm-hmm. she spelled it with a y she'd get upset so she okay. was like that she wouldn't eat yes so i am P- professor david kirk philp we're listening to music biz 101 and more you're also listening to my a- amazing co-host his name is dr esteban marconi yes it is <laughs> look I. how serious you were with that no marconi. we're going with a big up now. We're changing the tone. Yes! Music biz 101 and more. Is I got excused from jury duty today. Even better for all yes. of us. Yes. Even Two better for... o'clock or so, I was one of the last ones that they didn't like. And I was very happy about that. Which I think is best for the person who is going to be on trial. Yes, probably. Guilty or not, he was going to be guilty. Gosh. And it's best for him that you right. are here with us. So today. we're bi-coastal tonight, aren't we? 
We're celebrating the right coast with the Mets, the left coast with San Francisco, and Los Angeles, City of the Angels, with our guest who will be speaking momentarily. Ken Jacobson, you're a good friend. Yes. Ken, are you there? I am. Ken, Professor David Kirkphilp, your good friend, Esteban Marconi. How are you, Ken? I'm good. Great. We're going to come back to you in, in 60 seconds. Is that okay, Ken? Sounds good to me. All right. Great. Because we have a couple more introductions real quick. First, we should introduce our producer of the evening. Yes. Her name is Jess Frank. We haven't seen Jess Frank in many months. Many months. Many months. But she's back, and she's making things happen for us. And we're going to clap for Jess Frank, making things happen. Thanks, Phil. You're welcome, Jess. Making things happen. That was Rob Fusari starting the show. And we have a student co-host with us. His name is Ji Jung but we're going to call him J.J. Yeah. His last name is Tam, spelled with a silent H. J.J. Tam. J.J. Tam, <laughs> MBA in music biz. Yes. J.J., it's good to have you here. Good to have you here. We had thought you had been here before, but you went to Nashville, Tennessee with us, and that's why we experienced Music Biz 101 and more with you in the past. Yes. Do you remember who we interviewed? Uh, in- I interviewed Ken, which is Ken Yusen Baki? Uz, uh, Umezaki. Umezaki. Mr. Umezaki. And I interview uh, the Sh- lady. Sherry Spoltore. Spoltore. Of Global That's... Songwriters Connection. Yes. That's right. Who liked, and if I recall, she was very, very fond of my co-host, Dr. Esteban Marconi. Yes. She oh, was very. You're being so kind. She was more than fond of you. You're there being was very kind. Th- there was an electricity between her. I'm not saying between you and her, right. but I could tell she was very fond of you. As we all are, but this was a special fun. That's right. I didn't feel <laughs> at all out of place. <laughs> <laughs> you were no... We, everyone else was the third wheel. Right. And who show. are we thanking tonight? Interestingly, we want to thank, first, the Music Biz Association, who helped us go to Nashville last Absolutely. year. We're going back to Nashville May 15th through the 18th in 2017. Music Biz 101 and more is going to the Music City with more students to make more connections to record more shows and that will be happening in May of 2017. Interestingly, this is the second time. There are going to be three interesting leads. I've given you one. Number two, (laughs) we should thank Aaron Van Dyne of Van Dyne Bruno, Inc. and White Hat Management, because with Aaron, he's got artists like Charlie Puth, Dave Matthews, Sharon Jones, the Dap Kings, and Kiss, and with him, there's only one place to go for your band's management, and that's VB-CP, as in philpa.com. And you go when you're ready. Yes. Interestingly, guess who I saw in the building today? Esteban. No. I screamed out loud Gene in my head. Simmons? I said, no, I said, oh. oi vey, it's Christine Vey oh, of wow. oi vey wealth management. She was in the building. She found out from me that you had jury duty. Ah. She, uh, she also felt sad for the man who mm-hmm. was eventually, he's, we have hanging in Jersey. Um, so you were going to vote for that. Mm-hmm. on November 8th. <clears throat> but we but, want to thank Christine. Of course, I, I thank Christine. We're going to thank her again. And I brought up to her that we're going back to Nashville. And I was trying to get Warm from her, her eyes mm-hmm. what she was thinking. But we want to thank Christine because she helped us very much. She and Aaron Van Dyne helped, helped Jess 
who went to Nashville, helped JJ yes. go to mm -hmm. Nashville. Uh, we want to thank them for all their help. Christine has helped many professionals at William Patterson and all around the world manage their investments and plan out for their retirement. If you, for example, Stephen Marconi, or any of our listeners, like Ken Jacobson, are looking for some guidance on how to plan for your retirement, or if you have questions on anything from investments and portfolio management to insurance retirement planning, you should give Christine a call at Ken. Are you with us? I am. Can you please repeat this phone number, 732 732-455-1510. There we go. Ken Jacobson wants you to call Christine Vay. Correct. Vay Wealth Management. You can also email. Call her. See? <laughs> Thank you, Ken. Ken, you can feel, I feel the energy through the phone line. Thank you. Right. Email Christine at VayWealth.com. And Esteban, what is her, her tagline as we get into this? Oh, gosh. We haven't said it this year yet. <laughs> Your, our, we'll <laughs> your, look it up and tell you next Your week. money, her knowledge. Something. Your billions. Okay. <laughs> Let's Ooh. get to Ken Jacobson, personal friend Great. of Esteban Marconi. Yes, Ken. How yep. long has it been? God. We've been trying to it's connect. It's been a while. Yeah, we've been trying to connect at NAM, and we only did yeah. once, I think, years ago. I know. It's yeah. house out there. Yep. So, uh... Let's sort of leave off where we left off. You were in Woodridge, <laughs> New Jersey, living with your wife and your son, of course, and you were attending Manus School of Music at a later age, coming back to learn the real ropes about music and theoretically uh, how music works. Yeah, and finish, finish my education so, uh, so I didn't have to tour anymore with my metal band. Right. Basically. And what happened yeah, from then? Rough lifestyle. You started to get well, interested uh, in composition? Well, what happened then was that um, I felt like, uh, personally, I needed a more wide, a bigger scope of writing and faster and stuff like that. So that's what happened when I was in New York. I had to sharpen the tools. Um but the work was not in New York, unfortunately. So I, w I ended up going more and more to Los Angeles, you know, to network and get the work and that kind of stuff. And uh, eventually it became extremely cumbersome and slow. And I realized I had to be out here. And here I am in Southern California. Yeah, how many years year, now? Seven, year, eight, eight, seven, eight years now. Great, great. Yeah. So you were looking for New York uh, work in New York as what? What were you doing? Well, um, I was getting more and more into media composition, uh, film, TV, video games, um, things like that. And, uh, you know, I was doing that kind of work in New York, but it was just not enough. Freelance? And, uh, I, yeah, freelance, definitely. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, in-house, what they call in-house composer, that's... Uh, extremely rare thing you mm -hmm. know and usually they hire you in those kind of terms that you write a specific type of music and i would say only maybe one or two percent and i'm guessing mm -hmm. that end up as in-house composers um very few companies actually hire in-house in composers so so that's a that's a rarity i think mm -hmm. besides you know you kind of get locked into a track for a while and it suits some people and others it don't. 
And, and, and what were you mean, composing for at that time? I was doing some movies. Oh, you mean back in New Jersey? Uh, yeah, when you were still going to New yeah, York. Yeah, commercials and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just far and wide between them. And uh, the work is really out here in Los Angeles. I mean, the bulk of it. And it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so you have you have to be lucky. If you want to be a freelance composer, uh, I think in a lot of ways it's necessary to be out here because uh, the support system is out here. Although I, I do know that that uh, New York has gotten a big boost over the past couple of years from a couple of organizations like the Society of Composers and Lyricists and a couple other organizations like Game Audio and things like that that mm-hmm. kind of have made a chat now. But, you know, at the time I was leaving, you know, they were closing all the, the main recording studios, so it's a little bit of a sad affair um, to be there, uh, New York, New Jersey, you know, mm-hmm. Northeast. Did you have any connections in New York? I mean, how did you get your first sort of job? It was a friend of a friend kind of gig. Um it always works out that, that way, I think. Mm-hmm. Most people have friends that know somebody that know somebody, and you kind of get in the loop, and and you kind of pitch at, at the job, and if they like your stuff, then you do the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, that hasn't changed. <laughs> That's right. still the same, even now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just part of the course. I, I think it's a little... It's it's an old school way of doing it, and it's I think it's here to stay because people can't take risks on people they don't know, yeah, and they want to see if if it's the right fit for their project, um, especially when a lot of time and effort has been and money has been invested into a project. You have to you have to convince them that you the, they can depend on you and rely on you and go beyond the call of duty always. Mm-hmm. So, that's basically, you know, what that business, this business is, essentially. And you definitely can't blow a deadline. That's the kiss of death. So, basically, um, there are rules to the game, and, and it's very pronounced in Los Angeles, I think, more than anywhere else, because uh, the competition is so stiff. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the work might be here, but everybody ends up here. <laughs> and right. if... If they make enough money, they move back to New York. If that's what they want, or New Jersey, if that's what they want to do. Ah. Um, although I don't know anybody from New Jersey that actually moved back, <laughs> even <laughs> when they make big, big deals. Right. Right. Well, Charmy and a couple other guys. So, what gave you the, uh, let's say, the intestinal fortitude to decide you're going to move the whole entire family out when you were out there? I suspect freelancing. Yes, I mean the work is here, and the net the work comes from networking, and the networking is built into the system here. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing odd about that. And you, you need to, you know, if if you want to be a professional in this business, you need to make connections. That's the only way that you're going to survive, and that means through networking. And the more people you know, the better your chances. And it takes time. Mm-hmm. You've honestly got to prove yourself. And yeah, so I mean, if I was going to have a hope and a prayer doing this within my lifetime I, I knew I had to be out here so that, that was the decision that, that drove the car mm-hmm. to get out here mm-hmm. um, and 
here I am. <laughs> right so, now, did you continue to play guitar when you went out, or were you just then strictly known as a composer? Well, I just got off a gig right now where I'm kind of known now for doing especially heavy metal mm -hmm. um, with certain companies, and it's reoccurring work for me to do this. this and, this, you know, you just have to know where it ends up, and you learn how to do that kind of style uh, and, and format. And for me, it, it's basically NHL and NFL stuff. Mm -hmm. And they use my my music quite a bit on shows, and you know, from my Monday Night Football to highlight shows, ESPN, you know, college football, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I get, my music ends up in you know, I write an album of this kind of stuff, and uh, it gets put online uh, and released to all these, you know, through a publishing deal. Basically, essentially, is what it is, and mm -hmm. they basically sell my music to whoever needs this kind of stuff. And once you got somebody biting the, the hook, you know, mm -hmm. in the water, you know, and somebody likes your music, then it becomes a rotating thing, which is a very, very good business model. Actually, it's it's becoming more and more common anyway. Uh huh. Uh huh. So. I don't think I'm right for reality TV, for example. That's another avenue where there's a lot of rotation going on. Mm -hmm. so that's basically, you know, that's one aspect of the business that uh, that I do, you know, besides, you know, movies and video games and, TV, you know, TV shows or whatever. And how did... This is, this is uh, solid. Did you uh, teach yourself how to work with a click track or uh, do the sync stuff or what? Well, all that stuff came when I was in a in a band, and we were in the studio doing albums, and you know it became just click became second nature. Uh huh. So I really, I, I've known that for ages. But this is not a new thing for me. I mean, but you you know the, the problem is that things have to move so fast. You don't have time. I mean, this last well, speaking of this one, you know, sports music thing. I think uh, it started with me just writing four tracks. It became eight tracks and became 12, and then became an album. Mm -hmm. um, and this all happened. Of course, you don't get more time to do it. So I had four to six weeks to, to accomplish this. And this is in, from starting writing to delivering the final product. That means mm -hmm. mixing, mastering, uh, recording, and writing. Mm-hmm. So things that you, you have to be very, very organized in order to do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And you have to know the format, if you, what you're doing. Otherwise, you're going to get lost very, very quickly. So basically, it's writing a track a day, essentially. <laughs> and then you're spending time cleaning it up, you know, and then mm -hmm. you, you end up, you know, and you don't have time to hire musicians. So you better be prepared to do this, you know, from the get-go. You can't, there's no <laughs> waiting when you get the opportunity. So that's basically reality on that one, and uh, and then it's hurry up and wait, and then it's a lot of time goes by once they get the tracks to release it and format and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Proper. Now, do you get paid so, an advance to stay alive while you're doing this, or what? Of course not. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, you only get paid if it gets used. 
Uh-huh. But since I've done it before, I get paid on the other stuff that I did. Yeah, of course. You know. You know so you're living off a quote-unquote catalog while you're doing the new stuff. Yeah, in, in this particular model, this doesn't apply to work for hire, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, work for hire is a different, completely different business model. Mm-hmm. This is one of the, the advantages of being in Los Angeles because you have a lot more support about these things that, where you can ask questions and and you have a little more, uh, you, you know, you have a lot more people that are in your, your shoes, so you, you have a little more, you know, you, you get a lot of reality checks, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, oh, you know, when you do work for hire, you know, they'll call you and say, we need music for a movie or whatever it is, um, video game or whatever, and this is the deal, and, you know, you sign a contract, and depending, you know, I have to say, though, depending on how much money they pay you, it depends on who owns the music, really, ultimately. Mm-hmm. If they pay enough, of course, they're going to end up owning the music and they right. can do whatever they want with it. Um, but if they don't pay you enough, then you need to own it yourself. So you can do, you can have a life outside of, of these projects. Right. Um, um, so, you know, you, you, you need to know the business in order to do this. Otherwise, you're just going to be spending more time on that than actually writing music. Yeah. Then now, do you negotiate no. your own deals? No, no, I don't anymore. I have a agency to do that. Uh-huh. I, I can't. It's too time-consuming. Right. And also, it, it, you end up in a kind of a weird conflict of interest kind of thing because, you know, you become this screaming baby that nobody wants to listen to, you know, mm-hmm. demand many things and... You know, that kind of stuff. So it's easier if you have somebody else negotiating on your behalf. Right, right. Usually, how, you usually also you get a better deal. Yeah. So so how do... Um, we see the Spider-Man game on your credits. How did that come about? Well, that was a connection I made with another composer, actually, and he needed... He, he, it was just too much of a workload for him. His name is Gerard Marino. And uh, he, um, he uh, hired me to be on board on, on that game. Or there's a couple of Spider-Man games, actually. So, you know, we I did a little bit on the first one, and then I got a big chunk of the work on the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, it was one of those things. He knew I could, like, you know, he had already established the style of music that was supposed to be in the game. So it wasn't like a creative endeavor for me. It was, okay, well, this is the style they want. Let's go. You know, mm-hmm. give, me, give me a couple of days to learn this and off to the races. And it was all orchestral in that, in this case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Basically, he, he's he's a orchestral synth guy and, and uh, he needed another orchestral writer that could write for this style of music, which is big orchestral. And we didn't have much of a budget. We didn't have a real orchestra, so everything had to be synthesized, uh, you know, yeah, synthesized, as they call it, MIDI. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's very common. It's become more and more common that oh well, the MIDI. Well, it better be one hundred percent, and this is not a scale that you better have because mm-hmm. if you don't, you know, you're expecting to have a budget, and that's a high expectation. Um, that means you limit yourself quite significantly. Right, right. Unless you, of course, you have an orchestra at your fingertips, which I doubt many people do. Right. It's very expensive to do it for an orchestra in general. 
Sure. Of course, you know, it's that gold sprinkle at the end of the rainbow, you know. Right. But if there is no budget, what are you going to do? Right. You got to do the job. And yeah. That's a, that was a pretty, pretty big project on top of it. So I found that kind of curious that didn't have a budget. You know, it's just typical, you know, with, who's the first people that get cut? It's the music people, right? Yeah. Um, when, you, when you're cutting a budget. So that's not unusual. Right. Oh, I think. Get, get <laughs> um, JJ has a question here for you. Hi, Mr. Jacobson. Okay. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. So, first of all, um, I'm a huge fan of video games. <laughs> cool. And, um, yeah, I saw you wrote for Spider-Man um, two of the series, actually, and also another yeah. video game called Lost Planet 3. Right. So, um, you know, I'm, I play video games a lot, and I'm just wondering, like, how, um, how, uh, you know, in the in the world of video games, do you do you know a lot of composers who you know write for video games? As do they do it for business, or do they do it as you know a hobby or something like that? Uh, nobody does it for a hobby. It's too much work, mm-hmm. and it also requires a lot of education to be able to do video game work. There's a couple of things that are different about video game work than uh, film, for example. Film is a linear medium, you know? Mm-hmm. The movie moves all the time forward. Uh, same with TV. But video games, um, you you have a couple of challenges that you don't have in other mediums. Um, the, the top ones um, are you don't know what the player does. In other words, he can be stuck on a level for 10 hours trying to, mm-hmm. or he can just stand still for five hours, right. you know, or he can move through it in no time. So that right there, it's not linear anymore. And music is inherently mm-hmm. linear. So that's something that, that one has to learn uh, how to solve these things. Also, it does have movies in it called cutscenes, right. which is linear. Um and that has to tie seamlessly to the nonlinear. Um, for example, if Spider-Man is, 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 is a little cutscene where he's talking about why am I here and oh no, uh-huh. yeah. look, the lizard is there, and, and then you jump down, he jumps down into the pit where the lizard is, and then a battle ensues. Uh-huh. Well, that has to be seamless between a little movie and a what we call a battle scene, a battle music, right. you know, or boss battle, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so there's other things too that are akin to a um, uh, commercial, um, uh, like corporate logo type deal where there's going to be a splash screen that's going to loop infinitely because you don't know when the person starts the game. There's all these elements that. And then there's intensity layers too, what we call intensity layers, where mm-hmm. you know you might walk down a, a corridor and nothing is going on, um, but then all of a sudden something jumps out of you and you have to deal with this situation in the video game. Uh-huh. Um, and of course, the music has to reflect that. So that that's an intensity where one piece of music has to be very low intensity, medium intensity, high intensity, whatever. It all it's a puzzle that needs to work together. And this, this is something that, that is learned. And this is something anybody can learn. It 
just takes time to learn it, but it's a skill uh, to learn how to work with video games because of these non-linear things, and you don't you don't know what the player will do. And there's all kinds of solutions to all these little problems that prop up, like. What if you walk away from the battle? Then what? Then the intensity has to lower and things like that. Mm-hmm. So um, there are many philosophies how to solve these various problems. And, um, you know, I have my favorite way, but I always have to adapt to whatever the the, the team, audio team, has decided to do mm-hmm. because you're also dealing with sound effects and all these other things. Um, so there are many layers to this. It has to be addressed. Did you so that's uh, the difference between video games? Uh huh. Did you uh, play the game without any music before you started? Oh no, I don't. For I don't get any game. I don't get any game. I I, I might get some pictures of what it's going to look like, or sometimes I get like a little movie. Uh, if it's a, if I have to score the cutscene, then I have to have the cutscene because it has to be locked to the picture. Yeah, but um, but you know, if, if it's a battle scene or something like that, I don't get to see what it's going to look like. Uh, what is a cut? That's scene? why you, you. What's a cut scene? Cut scene is a movie. Can repeat, we lost you. Can you repeat? And, and it could be one second. It could be a minute or whatever. It, it's it's just a little movie that's part of the game. For example, if you know. There's a little discussion that's part of the story before you leave. Ah, I understand. Like a transition? You know? Yes. And and that movie, of course, you have to have because you got to score the, you know, it's got to, the music's got to be locked to picture. Right. So you're dealing with a lot of components here um, for the music assets, it's called, in video games. Because... Mm. There are sound effect assets, there are dialogue assets, and all these different things that got to share the same space. Um, so, yeah, it becomes pretty technical after a while. You know, I mean, video games is probably the most technical part of the of my job, I would say, um, because you know, you you know, you can't make mistakes in labeling it. And it's, you know, it's basically computer stuff that you got to deal with. But I have to say. Is, and I'll be quite honest with you, I love doing video game work because it's a lot of fun because there's a lot of variety in what you have to do and you're putting these musical puzzles together and it, it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It can be a, a lot of fun. And when it's fun, usually I write better music. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Right. I see. So um, I have a, another question for you, Mr. Jacobson. A tweet. A tweet, actually, uh, from one of the okay. students here in Willoughby. Uh, his name is Kevin. So he wants to ask ask you, so when you are composing for a video game or a movie, uh, how much direction are you given from the project's team? Wow, that's a loaded question. I can't <laughs> say that because I never know that. But I try, especially with video games, you got to get as much information as you possibly right. can get. Uh-huh. Um, because... Because you need to know the pace of the game, you need to know who you're dealing with, and you know you don't want to. One of the things that you don't want to do in this, you know, being a uh, composer for media, is that you don't want to redo and do do overs too many times, because 
they become very, very boring to do after a while. Right. Uh, so I try and get as much information as I can possibly get. With the movie, uh, in the uh, you know any medium, I would say it dictates a lot of what you can and can't do. Um, and at, that comes with experience where you go, well, you know, dialogue is always going to be more important than music because the story is the most important thing in, in a movie, for example. So you have to be able to to uh, to recognize that, you you know, it's more important uh, that you can tell what they're saying. So there's no point in spending a lot of time fighting the dialogue. And we call it dodging dialogue, basically. You know, if there has to be music where there's dialogue, even in video games, you, you, you know... It, it, it's going to be certain things that you're going to be doing. Um, mm -hmm. I also, I always say this, you know, I love scoring monsters, and uh, <laughs> nice. but I need to know what kind of monster it is. Um, is it a psychotic girl, or is it a... <laughs> the, the background. Or this, -like thing? Right. <laughs> because, because it's going to, it's just going to sound different in my head when I see... Um, a knife stabbing psychopath as opposed to a uh, you know uh, i don't know a big sl uh, bloody you know giant you know mm -hmm. cool look thing. Uh, it's just going to sound different in my head so the more information i get the better especially in video games because you might not be able to see the actual gameplay right uh, right so if you're thinking a race car Right would would be very different than you know whatever right. psychopath for example, mm -hmm. just as, as for scoring purposes and also, um, and I learned learned this early on is is you know what is it going to actually going to sound like is it a growling monster or is it a screeching monster or is it a is it a mm -hmm. you know is it a why you know high RPM car or is it like a motorcycle? Mm -hmm. They all sound a little different. So the music is kind of, you know, you want the music to be heard, right? And, and, and you don't want them to just turn it down because it's in the way. And that's another thing about video games that becomes very tricky. Uh, and this is one of the big, biggest challenges I think we can have in video games over film, for example, is, you know, you hear these loops endlessly. Up with us, too. Music, and you don't want that to happen. So that's another, you know, element that you have to deal with. You know, mm -hmm. right, right. a couple mm -hmm. of techniques to deal with that. Right. Um, so, um, but film is different because film is is a personal relationship you have with the director or whoever's in charge. Right. Um, whereas video games is very very team oriented. Mm -hmm. But it's always easier to deal with one opinion than fifty. Of course, in general. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so this leads Everybody me to thing about music, by the way. Uh huh. So yeah. So and then this leads me to the next question, which is specifically about the Spider-Man video game. So um, we have another student who wants to ask you: uh, when you are composing for you know the Amazing Spider-Man, um, he wants to know if your music is influenced at all from the original score, you know, from the movie. Is your music kind of like? Do you write your music based off that, or is it like a completely new thing, or you follow the theme or something like that? No, we, we well, the Spider-Man movie and the Spider-Man game were done at the same time, so we did not know what the Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man music was. Ah. That's number one. 
second of all, we had very strict direction not to follow any um, uh, of the other movies that were put out. Um, uh, it, it had to be something completely different. I uh-huh. see. So we, we had instructions on that. Mm-hmm. But we didn't know what Spider-Man sounded like. You know, I, I found out like way after I was done. <laughs> I see. All right. So here's another interesting question that you might be the best person to answer. Um, so another student asked you. Um, he asked, "How can I get more information on getting my music into video games?" All right. So the the number one thing that you have to do is learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot to learn. Uh, a lot of technical things you have to learn, um, and the the video game community as far as composers and in audio in general is an extremely friendly bunch uh, mm-hmm. we are very welcoming and we're very easy to hang out with to be quite frank with you uh, I see you have to attend for one of them just ended last week it's called game sound Con. yeah game sound Con. I heard of that which was last week uh-huh. uh, unfortunately that ended but also, you should attend GDC in San Francisco. Those two are the most important things uh, in the video game industry as far as networking is concerned and as far as learning is concerned. Because it's also competitive and you, and you have to learn the skills. And the best way to learn it is just learn from the other guys that are already doing it. And most people are amazed how friendly this group is and how giving they are. So it's not intimidating at all. So mm-hmm. all you have to do is get off your butt do your thing, get the tickets, and get, get uh, attend these various game um, things. But if you don't have that right now, the ability to do that, at least you can join the, um, it's called audiogang, G-A-N-G, dot org. Okay. Um, that's the video, that's, that's the audio side of video games. And it has its own community. And they're divided up into voice actors, sound designers, and composers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Damn. And uh, you, anybody does this, you know, can hit me up, um, and uh, and tag me on it. It's like something on there that you know, you can ask me questions directly, and I'll help you out there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we we have another tweet for you. What do you th- think? Th- this next tweet kind of connects with something you said very early, just sort of an aside when um, our good pal Steve Marconi started. And for those listening, when you hear the question. And, and you hear the answer. We also want you to listen to uh, an interview we did with Glenn Burtnick, uh, who was in Sticks okay. and spent many, many years on the road. And he gets kind of deep into that. So JJ is going to read this tweet, and then you can kind of give us what I think your right. answer is going to be. So this tweet is by Emily, uh, Emily Case. And the question is, Emily. yep, Emily. And the question is, what made you want to compose music for film, TV, and video games? And where do you turn to for inspiration? The first part is, you know, you mentioned you had life on the road and it was very hard. So can you kind of get into that and how that led you into what you're doing now? Yeah, that was the hardest thing I ever did in my life, was being a band by far. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just tough. It, you know, it's hard on your body. It's hard on your wallet. Uh, it's hard to get reliable people, um, and uh, you know, 
I am a prolific writer, and I I just felt like putting out an album every two years or whatever it was. It's just I'm way more productive than that as far as creatively. So I figured, well, let me. Uh, I, I, then at some point, I got involved in in working in a recording studio, and and I love being studios in general. Um, so after a while, I had a dream of having my own studio. So that added fuel to the fire, and then finally I got some opportunities because people knew I had a studio. I could play guitar and you know, work with samples, and this was in the 90s. And um, I got to do some commercials and, and some other work-for-hire stuff, and I said, you know what? Obviously, this, is, this has a life of its own, so I'm just going to jump on this train, and that's when I decided to spend a few years sharpening my tools in school and things like that and, and finish my degree and uh, off to the races after that and I don't regret a second of it that's mm-hmm. good to know second half of the question was the second half of um, uh, the where do you turn to for inspiration oh for, for inspiration um, there's no such thing <laughs> in this world not not when you're dealing with media i mean i i'm i'm being kind of silly about it i know but you there's no such thing as waiting for inspiration uh, they really don't have that luxury um so when i have time off between gigs i tend to listen to a lot of you know things um that i feel like i i can do better like orchestration so i listen to great orchestrators like Ravel and uh, mm-hmm. Williams mm-hmm. or whatever, whoever, mm-hmm. uh, Stravinsky or whatever, and and I'll dissect it. Um, and then I'll find out how to do it with samples after that. So I actually know how to do it. Uh, that's one way. To, that I get a lot of inspiration from that. Um, I get a lot of inspiration from fooling around with equipment and, you know, playing with toys and, you know, uh, and finding out, learning, and yeah. uh, I, I tend to spend some time programming stuff too. And when I do that, that it usually inspires me to write in a certain style. Um, I love working with uh, with people that kind of push me a little bit. Um, right. And I can I find it's it's a challenge, but it's also inspirational when somebody tells me, "No, we need a little more of this or that, or it's got to be closer." you know, to whatever, uh-huh. and I go, okay, that's cool. Um, and with, like any creative person, I think I think it's important that, that you understand what your strengths are, because, because once you get out into the weaker zones of your style or, or the styles that they want, um, that's when when it can, you, you have to turn it around to your advantage and, and look at it as... as, as studying music and stuff like that to inspire you rather than tear you down and intimidate you. Uh-huh. Um, so, I don't know. I, I listen to all kinds of music. Um, you know, heavy metal, I listen to a lot of productions, what the current sound is or whatever, and then say, well, do I like this or not? Or Sometimes, there are times where you got to fight for what you believe in, but you got to be very careful with those fights. Um, they got to mean something at the end of the day, otherwise you just might shoot yourself in the foot. But, you know, if, if you know, it depends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's is something that doesn't come while I'm working, usually. It comes before. Uh, right. And I'll have this little 
voice in my head that will tell me, oh, yeah, remember that? Oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. All right. Now, um, to get on to the business subject for a second, there was an article in Billboard this week about the uh, gender gap in video, I guess, employment in terms of the amount of money that males make and fe and females. Have you experienced any of that? Uh, do you know? I have this to be honest with you. I don't. I've heard heard of this, of course, because I'm in the industry, but I have absolutely no basis, uh, mm -hmm. no facts to rely on on this. I have to say, though, one of the facts that's obvious, anybody attending, you know, video games in general, it, it is very male-dominated. It, it is more and more women are coming into it, which is cool, um, but it's, it's still, you know, dominated mostly by males. However, I know a lot of women that are in, in executive positions now um, calling the shots, so... I think it's changing. It'll change. And also, you know, some studies have been shown that, you know, there's a difference between what kind of games that males will gravitate to and females will gravitate sure, to. Sure. And that makes a big difference also in, in, in this kind of particular discussion. But other than that, I, I really, you know, when you're fighting your own battle all the time, mm -hmm. the constant struggle, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to see. Um, because it's not, this is one part of the industry that's not open. People usually don't talk about money. Yeah. Um, there's usually a standard. So for composers, you know, 90% of us are freelancers. And I don't know if, you know, unless you're one of the biggest names out there, you know, it's usually pretty set. Mm -hmm. Figures. So, so I, I wouldn't, I can't talk too much about it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I I read about the article too, and you know, so far as you said, um, women are getting into the gaming industry, and when you mention about the uh, game sound con that happened last week, it reminds me of there's another big um not not big, but um a very exclusive uh fan festival for um a, a huge Japanese uh, video game called Final Fantasy in Las Vegas in right. the next two weeks, so I, I played that mm -hmm. game myself. And um, I'm a huge fan of the Final Fantasy series, and I've been playing the games and I've been li listening to the music. And before you know, before we started the radio show, I was uh, listening to your SoundCloud, and um, especially uh, when you have uh, the album. When I was listening to the album "Wall of War," and when I listened to "Gotcha Six, that particular piece, mm. it really reminds me of the f uh, the game Final Fantasy and. Right. And then, yeah, and another another very um, nice music that you had is the uh, In Memoriam. That's what I heard right, right before I came here. So those kind of music, do you think that um, there are you know people still working to write that kind of music to be put in video games? Like, I mean, compared to Spider-Man, Spider-Man is a more action game. But there are also games that have like very specific storyline that people play to follow the storyline, and there are a lot of yeah. um, orchestral music, especially in those games. Do you think, um, you know, this gen specific genre of music is gonna, you know, grow, or you know, I, I guess it de depends on the video game itself. But do you think there's potential yeah. in music like that? 
Yes. I think that there's no uh, limit to what kind of music goes in video games anymore. I, I think it's absolutely all over the map yeah. at this point. You know, it's it's very eclectic and varied. Um, you know, for example, I don't know, Alien, the game that right. came out a couple of years ago, very different from the movies, for example. Oh, very, yeah. very different. Yeah. They, they, you can't even compare the two. And obviously, you know, the people don't, style of music is going to be all over the place. I mean, you know, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's all over the place. Really, it is. And also because there are a lot of indie games there, too. Mm -hmm. A lot of opportunities in that avenue that rely on maybe folk music or who knows. I mean, it can be jazz. It could be anything. Um, so that's what's cool about it. You know, it's not locked into a certain style. Of course, you're going to have the big epic music, uh, big orchestral epic music. I like those kinds of music. games are pretty epic to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, you know exploration or battles or oh yeah and you you know a lot of them are war games so you know, yeah yeah now, yeah, you know. yeah. <laughs> and i mean it has to fit you know and, and the people that make a lot of these stylistic decisions are called audio directors you know okay. and, you know i mean you know, just cause for example you know the last one happens up in the air he's flying around right so has to reflect that and the previous one was on the ground and I, I can go through a lot of games you know that uh, where the style even within its own franchise has changed yeah because yeah something different and then and then we we see the video game industry slowly going towards the competitive video game the we what we call the esports right now so um right. Like you know, esports. There are like first-person shooting games. There are also some other like fighting games. Do you think um, music? You know, uh, people who write music for those kind of games, and you know, seeing that the esports is growing, um, do you think there's going to be a lot more people trying to get into writing music for that, or is it like very specific to you know certain like freelance like, or it depends on the company who hire the people to write the music. Well, first and foremost, I want to make clear to you that it's very rare that it's one guy writing all the music for any video game. Mm. It's just too much. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Some games I've heard have over 250 minutes of music in it. Oh, oh yeah. That's physically impossible yeah. for one person to write that in six months or a year. That's just not possible. Uh, that's inhuman. And uh, so you'll have multiple composers, and very often you'll have composers that will fit the genre and they'll do X amount of music or X amount. And other times, you know, it'll be the, you know, know. Battleborn is a good example of this, where one of my friends got the, got a sub gig on it, and he was only supposed to write so much, but, it, you know, his contribution grew and grew and grew as the game was growing. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was very, um, very orchestral, and, you know, they, they realized that style was, feeling the game really well that he was writing so it evolves in, in it itself too is what I'm trying to I'm trying to point out mm -hmm. you know when, when they start hearing stuff and oh, it works and sometimes if you have a relationship with people in general it doesn't matter if it's film TV video games or whatever it is you know it's always cool that if, if you have the 
opportunity to just come up with something different and as an alternative, you always got to come up with the stuff that they ask for first. But you know, right. if you have a good relationship with these people, it's always good to come up with an alternative mm-hmm. and try some different. And maybe that different thing sticks, and it kind of steers in a new direction, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that depends. It really depends on on who you're working with, what they have in mind, and it's very collaborative. Mm-hmm. We have, uh, excuse me, we have about sixty seconds left. I have just a quick question about uh, Michael Rosen from Megatrend Agency and Management, who is serves as your manager and, and agent. Uh, there was a point where you said you couldn't do the business stuff on your own and you needed to get somebody to help you out. Uh, at what point did that come to you and how did you get in touch with Michael? Well, the problem with this job in general is that you have to do so many things and you can't be talented in all of them. It's impossible. There's too many. You're running a business, you're writing music, you have, there's computers, there's all kinds of stuff that you got to deal with. And uh, it, it was I was looking around to see if, if I could for representation, um, and uh, this this was the best fit. And I I started uh, being I knew somebody I'd known for for a while, and I I asked one of his other clients what he thought of him and things like that, and you know got an introduction and signed the papers eventually because it was the best fit for me. At, at this point in my career. I mean, I like him a lot and we get along really well and become friends over time and, and that's the way it's supposed to be. So I'm, I'm psyched about that one, actually. Mm-hmm. And, and because he... it takes a lot of pressure off me. Um, uh, you know, just he has a different perspective on certain things and things like that. And so it's um, at some point it becomes necessary, but, um, you know, usually it, it comes on its own when you need it. <coughs> is he both an agent and a manager for you, or is he more of an agent per, uh, getting work for you? Uh, well, the problem with composers is nobody really got gets work for you. Um, you have to get it yourself 90% of, 99% of the time. Of course, there are going to be opportunities that get thrown my way. Um you know, pitch at this or, you know, write something for this and see if you can get this gig, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's really a moving target, but a lot of the thing is that uh, you can take a lot of pressure off me, especially with contracts and uh, also give me a wish. You know, I've, I've had some nasty, uh, nasty dealings with a couple of, of movies that, you know, I'm glad that I had somebody else to deal with it and put it in perspective for me um, because it just wasn't going to work out. Okay. Well, this interview, Ken Jacobson, has worked out very well. And we we need to stop right now. Especially for us on the East Coast (laughs) who don't know the business that well. Well, I have to do a good job for Steve. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, as, 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 that's true. So um, why don't we give Ken Jacobson from California and go to Ken Jacobson, Me. S-E-N. Is it Ken Jacobson or Ken Jacobson Music.com? Ken Jacobson Music. Same thing. Ken Jacobson.com. Ken Jacobson. <laughs> there we go. I always go to music. Okay. Yeah. All right. Ken Jacobson with an S-E-N.com. Go there. Thank you, Ken, very much. We're going on Music Biz. Thank you. Yes. And uh, you can start can, playing the Fusari. And give track. my regards, Ken. 
to Mary Beth and so on. Will do. Yes, you and, too. And JJ's too. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ken. We want to thank Jess Frank for being the producer, the silent, awesome producer. Thank you, Jess Frank. You're welcome. The silence is broken. We want to thank JJ Tan with a silent H for making this happen. Thank you, JJ. Getting that MBA in the music visit at William yeah. Patterson University. We want to thank always Esteban Marconi, who's doing, he's putting up the finger, the index finger, for those of you who are upset. <laughs> well, as he does that. I believe there's no score. Scoreless game, Mets. Yes, three. Mets. The end of three. Okay. One hit. Mets have one hit. It will be a very late evening for me. <laughs> so thank you, Esteban Marconi. Yes, and of course my co-host who carries the ball here, yeah. David Kirk Philpin. You can call him Professor David Kirk Philpin. I had a ball with you. Ah. Our, our wonderful listeners tonight on Music Biz 101 and more. Come back next, next week. Next week, what are we doing? Next week we have three grads on the line with us. Actually, two are going to be in. Studio two from Sony Music Week. Alum Week next oh. week. Carrie Keller, Megan Johnson from Sony Music. Joey Stefan from Viacom will be calling in. So after that, Michael McDonald of Mick Management. Then John Butler, Vice President of uh, Promotion for Curb Records. Benji Rogers, Pledge Music. It's going to be a great next four or five weeks. So keep tuning back every Wednesday, 8 p.m. 88.7. Mm. And instead of saying hello, Jess Frank, you know what we say every week? Uh, yeah. no. Well, I That's do. That's the first but word. We say That's what the first it, letter. We say, uh, 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 You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more.